Welcome to Design Huddle Podcast, where two internet friends break down what's new in tech and design. Each week, we talk about what's trending in tech, have some hilarious candid interviews with creative professionals, and drop some knowledge on you so you can stay ahead of the pending robot apocalypse. Now let's get into this week's topic. Guys, this is the Design Huddle, a podcast where we talk about the best ways to get to the next level in your design career. We talk about everything from graphic design, product design, personal branding, tech trends, and we interview with some of the top of the line thought leaders in our industry today. Guys, we are your hosts. My name is Brandon Gross. I'm a designer and social media strategist for Fortune 500 here with Ryan Warner. Yeah, guys, we're back at it again. Second interview. Feeling good. We're feeling very, very good about this. And before we get into who we're interviewing today, guys, we're going to talk about really the skills to focus on to get to that next level in your career and become the highly sought out designer slash brand strategist. So with that said, our guest today has made her transition from designer to brand strategist and business owner. And we really want to share with you guys some tips and tricks on how she's gotten to where she is today. So with that said, and without doing any more secrecy, our guest today is based out of Orange County, California. She has had the pleasure of working with notable brands such as Oakley, Paramount Pictures, Loot Crate, and many more. She is a co-host of The Process on the YouTube show The Future with Christo, in addition to being featured in many more reputable podcasts and interviews with brands such as Logo Geek, The Design Life, and Logo Creative. She's a logic puzzle nerd, golden ratio enthusiast, a self-proclaimed Tetris champion, and she lives to connect dots, analyze patterns, and solve problems. Guys, please help us in welcoming brand strategist, coach, and the CEO of Marks and Maker and Prelance. Help us in welcoming Melinda Livesey. Woo! Woo! Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> what an intro. Best yeah. yet. Jeez, yeah. I'm going to bring you with me everywhere I go. <laughs> I'll be your, your hype man, guys. Love it. As we're opening the grocery store doors, please help us in welcoming. <laughs> awesome, guys. So, like I said, Melinda here has a breadth and depth of knowledge that we're super excited in uh, getting into today. So, Ryan, how about we take away some of these, uh, start asking questions regarding Melinda's background. Yeah. I'm going to so- leave you. Melinda, obviously, thank you so much for hopping on and chatting with us. I think, you know, Brendan and I both have been, I think, originally following you from afar. And then I think we connected, you know, through social media, probably Instagram at some point. And I thought you were like, for being like a co-founder and building like a, you know, a company as successful as Marks and Maker, I think it's like, you're one of the most approachable leaders that I've ever met. So I think that was, I think that speaks volumes. So I think our audience will really appreciate uh, I think your journey. So we really wanted to hear, I think I know the, the, the highlights, but for the listeners, could you just talk a little bit about how you, you know, ended up as, you know, founding, like, you know, uh, you know, basically being the CEO of your own company? Yeah. So uh, cliff note version, I studied graphic design and illustration in college. Um, I graduated BFA in both. And then I got an internship right out of school at Oakley. So I landed that. It was awesome. Um, I was there for a few years and worked in everything from marketing, advertising. I did some things for PR. I even worked on retail displays, which that was super fun. 
And then I wanted to spread my wings and work on my own because going straight to an in-house job from uh, from college, you only work on one type of company, one type of product, and I wanted to work on everything. So I quit to freelance, go out on my own. Um, and then a couple years later, I actually went back and I got hired in the branding department. And so then I learned a lot of you know packaging, branding, did a lot of logos for the different products. And um, then when their department, the creative department actually dissolved, I had a choice whether I wanted to go out and get another job or if I wanted to start my own business. And I always, always, always wanted to start my own business. I had been freelancing on the side ever since I was in school. And it's something I always knew I was going to do, either freelancing or being my own boss in some capacity. And so when um, the, the job at Oakley was no more, then I felt like, okay, this is the time to do it. So I took about six months to, to find out really what I wanted to do. And I just hopped around from freelance, um, on-site freelance job. I've had a couple of those, had some of my old clients with me. And then I figured, no, I actually need to have direction. I need to brand myself. I need to choose what I want to do. And so I, um, I decided to become a brand identity business because that was what I love doing. I love doing branding. I love doing brand identity. And I figured, well, I need to focus so that I can actually find these clients and not just work on any type of design, but I really wanted to focus on the identity portion. About a year, um, year, year and a half into doing that, I started Prelance, which that is the um, the e-course and helping graphic design graduates how learn how to freelance because a lot of us were not taught how to do anything of working for ourselves um, when we were in college. And so I wanted to give all the information I wish I had to these graduating seniors or people who were fresh out of school, maybe a few years and just had absolutely no clue where to start. And I'm doing both of those still today. Beautiful. So... Melinda, we really want to add, <clears throat> as I clear, let me clear my throat. And then we need background, grab background music. Um, <laughs> we'll edit it in, guys. So <clears throat> as I'm recovering from my cold, um, that is a long and that's a very crazy trajectory. So we really want to, out of that, what do you find are your top five skills that you've had to either retain or build over time what are the top five skills that you when you look inside yourself today that you're like yo these five skills are the main things that i use on the day-to-day on our on our and are highly important for me to continue to craft to be at the top of my game could you lay those five things out for us yeah i would say community yeah yeah i'm gonna have to think about this um more of the soft skills the things that are, how do you lead? So I would say leading, leading a team, art directing, anything that goes under that that realm, learning how to lead. Um, and I've been talking to, just a little context, I've been talking to some younger designers who are in-house right now, and they're realizing they don't really have anywhere to grow. And then what they're going to find is that because they can't, they can't move to art director or above, um, they're going to have no chance in learning how to lead. And so I think that's a big, a big thing. Um, being comfortable communicating. I think communicating, we don't do that just face to face, but we communicate in our writing. We communicate through our design. And so it's learning how to communicate, not just in your design. Um, if, if you are a designer, not just there, but you're going to have to communicate and learn 
how to face to face with people. It's something you use on a daily basis. Um, three would be sales. And I did not like that going into the business. So learning and that that's kind of tied with communication, but learning the art of negotiation, sales, um, and not the typical sales, I would say it's it's having empathy, it's knowing how to find out your client's goal. So it's not just the typical, you know, I'm thinking when I hear sales, I always think car salesman that I don't like, but um, but truly being empathetic to to your client. And uh, so it's it's a lot of stuff that's not even design related. It's a lot of the business knowledge. Um, and then so four, it would be business in general, just knowing how businesses work um, because you're not only running one if you are running your own business, but you also are working with clients who are running businesses. And so if you want to be seen more as a strategist and as an expert, you're going to have to know at least some of the lingo for business because otherwise you're just going to be hired and you're going to be told what to do because you're an order taker that all only likes to talk about typography and fonts and colors and you know hierarchy whereas if you have the business um, acumen you'll you'll be able to go much farther and be perceived as an expert i love that one thing i'm, I'm super curious too is that you mentioned in there about like, you know, becoming a leader and you know, starting to manage people. What was, what like really kind of took you from being like an individual contributor to thinking about like, you know, the well being of others and more of like a manager. I think that's like a really tough, you know, transition for a lot of people. Did you have any mentors or really good managers throughout your career that kind of helped get you there? And like, how would you actually describe your current management style? Oof. Um, I'm, I have had people and leaders around me, I mean, even seeing how my coach Chris leads in general, even though, you know, I haven't worked for him, but I see how he leads too. Um, just being around people who are leaders and watching them. And I've had a creative director who I remember every time that I went to talk to him, he would drop everything he was doing and he would turn and he would look at me in eye to eye. He would never, it's like face to face, he would always give me his full and complete attention. And I thought, man, he's one of the only people that I had worked with, especially um, him being in a leadership role, that would drop everything to give the person in front of him full and undivided attention. And I thought, man, if, you know, I see that and I, I see how it makes me feel, but I'm seen and what I, what I am trying to say is important. I always want to do the same thing to others. And so my management style, really, I try to just treat people how I want to be treated because I used to be a freelance graphic designer that was hired by other other designers. So when I hire, either that's an intern, if it's a designer, I always try to treat them how I would want to be treated if I was in their position. So I really try to, I'll even try to pay them up front or as soon as I possibly can instead of doing net 30 or, or paying them you know, later on a later schedule, it's if I'm able to because that's how I would want to be treated if I was in their position. Um, so I just keep that at the forefront of my mind. How would I want to be treated? And then I would treat them the same way. I, I think like, I, I'll, let, I'll let Brendan jump in, jump in here, but I think the fact that you are a branding expert, I think in a lot of ways you take your personal brand like your business, right? So the more people you interact with, like they're you know kind of establishing a perception of you. 
So I, I think that's so awesome of how much empathy you show for the people around you. And I think that probably also makes people more loyal and like willing to work for you in the long term. So I find that like really inspiring. I think that'll like resonate with a ton of people that have just recently switched to like more managerial roles. Yeah. There's everything that you mentioned, all really five or four, really four, the directing, the communication, the sales and the business knowledge. You know, thank you so much for explaining the directing, the leading, because I also when um, especially when I was working in an agency, um, we're kind of like the design workhorses and it's very hard to um, well, not really hard, but it's difficult to kind of see yourself as, OK, there's a creative director. How do I learn to really direct? So I really read the, what you said about one of the designers you were recently speaking with really resonated with me because I can totally see designers, you know, who are trying to get to that next level as creative director. Um, they kind of miss out if they're not in that role. They miss out on learning the leadership, the communication um, and really what um, even in sales, the creative director, creative directors that I am typically working with. Um, they do all three of those things. They learn, they lead, they communicate with customers, and really they run sales um, to some degree. So um, I would really love to actually talk about sales. I know that uh, your mentor, Chris Doe, um, <laughs> he likes to plant a lot of seeds. There's a lot of flowers going on in your brain right now, Melinda. Um, <laughs> that I was watching one of your guys' videos, and I think in every video that you guys have, it's a lot of just like, I planted the seed, Melinda, where it was. I planted it like two weeks ago, and here it is today. No, I just uh, I love that that um, that not Met, methodology that metaphor. metaphor. There we go. My, <laughs> my brain my brain still has the cold. I guys. crush it in Calm creative down. writing and like all of like the fluffy like language. Yeah. This this is why we have Ryan, guys. I'm like the mouth, and Ryan is the brain. This is this is how we go together. He's like Brandon. That was not the correct word. Okay, <laughs> focusing. But yeah, so if you could really just explain to us like what it was uh, for you to really learn the sales or the, the empathetic sales, as you so call, um, as you call it, what was that gap like for you in learning that? Well, it started with Chris and uh, being mentored by him and learning that I was doing everything wrong. <laughs> That's usually what happens. I come in and he shows me how I'm doing everything wrong. Um, but being frustrated too. I came in frustrated with just the sales conversations not going well. And I realized through his mentorship and then just practice that I was coming in with myself in mind first. So I was, I had the scarcity mindset. I was worried about not landing the client or paying my bills or what if I don't land them, then who am I going to get next? When's the next one going to come? And just learning that they, you didn't even have them to begin with. They're not your client. They are a lead, they are a prospect, but you haven't landed them yet. So if you lose them, you didn't technically lose anything because you didn't have it. So learning that I, and just being aware that I was coming into the conversations with a selfish motive that I was putting myself first. And so I was not uncovering their goal. I wasn't caring what it was going to do to their for their business, they, okay, they wanted to hire me for a logo, cool, as long as you can meet this amount of money, then I'll do it. But I didn't care if it didn't align with their business objectives, I didn't even understand how to uncover those things. So in learning that I was very selfish, that then turning the conversation to, oh, I need to think about who's right in front of me, it's kind of like the creative director who would drop everything and, and look straight at me, that I need to do that with my client, see where they are, 
uncover their needs, uncover their goal. Why did they even come to me? What's driving that? What's their motivation? So that I can see if what I even do aligns with what they're doing and if I'm able to help them get to their goal. That's why they were hiring me. They're hiring me to help them. And it's not about me. So it's been a process of me learning that it's not about me. And then I did read a, a book called Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss that I highly recommend. And it is about um, the art of negotiation. And it's all about being empathetic to the other person. So when I read that book too, that was really eye-opening for me and starting to use those techniques and realizing that all the techniques really are trying to see the other person and trying to understand them and help them feel understood. And then you can start aligning your goals with theirs. So that was my process. Damn, that was that was beautiful. <laughs> I feel like we just need to have like a written word here after this. We just need to transcribe this whole thing. And it's going to be like the new, uh, it's going to be the design <laughs> huddle religion, guys. It's coming out 2.0. Yeah, I mean, Melinda, one thing that like I think I I really you know I've admired from afar is you seem to embrace like feeling uncomfortable in your role. So I know Chris, and like we keep talking about the future, but I think Chris does a really good job as a mentor of putting you in situations that make you uncomfortable. Like when you guys do role playing, it feels so organic and like real. Um, but he also kind of is challenging the way and like, so I, I guess my question is, is that I, I think a lot of people struggle with that. So I think by you demonstrating it, um, it shows a lot. So what, what, it, what like things have you done to basically push yourself to like, you know, feel uncomfortable and to try new things, but also have the confidence to know that like, you know, that you're learning and you're growing probably at a faster rate if you kind of just continue to leave, you know, played it safe. Yeah. It's saying yes to things similar to that I know would make me uncomfortable. So saying yes to being on Chris's show. I knew that was going to make me uncomfortable, but I knew that it would also help me grow. And, and looking at where I was and being very frustrated about where I was, I, I knew that if I was going to grow, I'm going to have to put myself in uncomfortable positions because it's the only way I'm going to grow. And so I would say yes to like going on the show and doing role plays, even though I hate it and actually implementing what he said, because I knew that if I did that, you, you grow in the tension and you grow when it's uncomfortable. And I knew that was the case. And so I would say yes to those types of things. And I would implement what I learned and try new things because I was too uncomfortable really in my day-to-day -day life and where I was at. So I was willing to go through torture to come out the other side knowing I'm going to grow. And I think the confidence comes as you take the step forward, your confidence grows. And I think a lot of us think we need the confidence first before we go out and do something. And it's the other way around. You have to go out and do that something, whatever it is that you know you need to do to grow. And you're going to get the confidence as you do it. And that's what I was learning too, as I would do those uncomfortable things. Oh, this isn't that bad. And then I would do the next thing, not that bad and keep going and going from there. Yeah. It's, it's even like little things. I remember when I first graduated from college and like running a meeting, like, you know, a simple phone meeting where you just, you know, do intros and talk about the agenda and keep everyone on track. I used to get like the, <laughs> I, I remember being like so nervous on the phone and like that everyone was like thinking I was doing it wrong 
But I think it was the kind of thing that once I started just focusing and like knowing that like I can do this and that, you know, um, I'm adding value to this process or this project. I think that that makes a big difference. But I do think like to your point, like the more reps you get um, and the more you kind of force yourself to feel uncomfortable, you know, stuff that you used to think was like, I think for a lot of people that aren't used to like public speaking that first couple of times, it's absolutely nerve wracking. But then you realize, you know, um, if you watch yourself back or you're kind of thinking about ways you can improve it, you just want to change one or two little things. And then eventually if you do it, you know, you know, a, a whole career worth by the end of it, you're, you know, you can have, uh, you know, you can be a really strong, you can basically turn a weakness into a strength. So I think that re- that'll absolutely resonate with, you know, a ton of people. And I mean, Brendan, what about you? I know you've started doing more public speaking, but um, that's the example I'm using. Is there anything in your career that you've kind of felt the same way where it was um, something that you weren't necessarily an expert at, but then you kind of were pursued it to become an expert in um definitely yeah i'm gonna actually take that uh first public speaking definitely for sure i really saying yes is number like my number one equations for life um it's something that i use in the gym and actually i wear a rubber band around my wrist um as like a a training (laughs) tool anytime i have a thought of you know i can't really do something um especially in the gym um, I have to do two more push-ups or two more sets in addition to, um, like, if I have a wrong thought of saying I can't do something, I have to use the rubber band. And it trains the mind to one. Um, you actually start to get a, a strange reflex, one in the gym, uh, Me for me personally, that you your brain starts to automatically stop itself from having bad thoughts because you're going to have to do the two reps, but you get used to doing those reps anyway, and you're going to get stronger, but... It's really weird when I started implementing um, the rubber band technique for really saying yes to, to train myself to say yes to things or telling myself or training myself not to say that I couldn't. Um, it changes your mindset. So I really, you know, I really empathize and agree with saying yes builds confidence. It helps build confidence when I train like that in the gym for I can face anything, even if I thought I was going to be done at that 10 set. If even though I do those two more sets, when I said to myself I wasn't going to be able to, I did, and therefore I can do more, and I kind of broke a barrier. So I think saying yes is very huge, um, and I'm very happy we got to talk about that because I think that's a big outside of technical capabilities and skill gaps. From a mind standpoint, I think that's a big thing, and I feel that if your beliefs are not in line, you can't really fill any of the skill gaps that you have. If you think that you can't, you know, be that, uh, get better at sales. If you think that you can't direct and lead just because you're not in a creative director role, that's going to be an issue for you to get there. Same thing with communication and business knowledge. So saying yes to um, however you're thinking to get to that next level will allow you to fill gaps a lot quicker just because you believe you can. Um, yeah, love that. Um, yeah, just to keep the the combo combo moving, um, I think we'll we'll obviously continue to talk about that throughout this conversation. I think this podcast will kind of keep hitting on that mindset. I think that's a it's kind of one of the reasons that Brendan and I like working together because we kind of like saying yes and challenging each other and embracing the fact that you know it's everything's not going to be perfect. Um, but Melinda, just to kind of move back a little bit to to your career. Um, obviously you have, you've had a ton of success in your career so far, but I'm just curious, like what's next, like high level, even if you want to get a little bit more granular of like what your current projects you're thinking about in 2019, 
Um, I'd love to hear kind of what's what's next on the what what's the next world you're trying to conquer. What are you saying yes to, Melinda? Oh, a lot, <laughs> a lot. Well, so last year, I'd say my big pivot was from designer to brand strategist. So last year, that was me establishing establishing myself as a brand strategist, working on a lot of client services. And now I really want to focus my energy on products and becoming my own client. And that is going to take the form of me putting way more time into teaching and sharing my knowledge and sharing my experience of being a brand strategist. So a lot more time in freelance um, in that e-course. So teaching, um, you know, people who want to freelance how to do that. And then also I'm um, taking people through who are more, I guess, at a place that I was last year who are brand strategists or becoming brand strategists. Um, I actually have a paid Facebook group that we go through um, what I'm working on currently in my own business. We all go through it as a group. So I'm more of a facilitator and um, work on these things that I'm, I'm teaching and learning with the group. Um, and then I will be offering those videos as a bundle. So making e more e-courses and a lot more info products. I'm going to be putting out a lot more content. So how I do my brand strategy um, whole process too. I want to work on that. Um, so a lot of content and a lot of products. Love it. We're going to have sensei or what is it? Is it all sensei Melinda's? I don't even know. Is there, is there a, um, a seafood? I don't know, guys, is there a, um, a gender sensei? I don't know guys. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you go to college. No, uh, <laughs> um, my vernacular is trifling. Um, I use the big word and a ghetto word in the same way. Who else does that? Brandon Gross. Um, <laughs> but no, I really think that's awesome. So freelance. Oh, actually, let's talk about your paid Facebook group because I found freelance in your other courses. But you must be hiding your Facebook group. Wait, like, just and wait. just for the Melinda, can you give like a elevator pitch of freelance just yes. for anybody that doesn't know what it is? Yeah, so Prelance is an e-course and resources really for graphic design graduates who want to learn how to freelance. So if they're new out of school, graduating seniors, or maybe you know three to five years out of out of college, and they want to learn how to freelance, they're really new. Then Prelance is the course. And so you were asking about what paid Facebook group? Yeah, paid yeah. Just to circle so. back there, just I, I wanted to just make sure the context of freelance was there. But um, yeah, let's hear more about this paid Facebook group. <laughs> yeah, so I have um, so from my Instagram, I was like, well, I want to get to know these people better because a lot of the people that follow me on my Instagram knew me from the future. They knew my story, so they wanted to follow along. And about May of last year, I started a, a weekly newsletter, and all it was and still is is me documenting my process. What did I do that week? in my business. And so it's a lot of mindset. It's a lot too of just um, techniques and tactics and resources and books that I read, what I learned that week. And I would share it every week. I'd write a, almost every week, um, a newsletter. And I started building an email list and a, a following a tribe, you could call it of people that followed along in my journey. It almost feels like the Truman show. It's like people were watching me on the future, but then they're following me on my my newsletter and really knowing what I was doing each week because I figured if I was able to show and share my process, maybe it could help someone else grow. Or if I made a mistake, so I've made plenty, I'll share that and then someone else could learn from it. So I 
gathered a, um, a following of designers and brand strategists on that list. And I figured, well, what next? Like I have this group here of a lot of people that are interacting with me, a lot of people that are emailing me back and telling me their stories and rooting me on. And just a lot of people that I even ended up meeting a lot of them at events or I sat down a coffee with them. And so I was getting to know this group and I figured how awesome would it be if I could now get to know maybe a smaller group of them even better and then they could get to know each other and so I started this thing called the inner circle because I figured well every business person needs their own inner circle and so I started this Facebook group it's called the inner circle and I only pitched it to the people that were on that newsletter email list because I figured well they've been following me this long so they're really probably going to be the only ones that want to follow me even more into the group and learn what I'm learning. And so I knew we were aligned already in our goals. And I figured, well, anyone who signed up, they they would really be into what it is that we're working on and what we're learning. Um, so I opened enrollment in September and then I closed it. So I only opened it for a couple weeks and got a handful of people. And we went through exactly what I wanted to Um, work on in my own business and because they were all aligned too we all had the goal of making a sustainable business our our business is sustainable because we're going through feast or famine a lot and attracting the clients that we really want so our ideal clients so then we went through how to um so to get to that goal we went through how to uh how to document your processes as a business how to um, decide what you're going to specialize in how to understand your ideal client and how to brand yourself and so that you can get those ideal clients. And so we went through all that um, for the first three months and then I opened enrollment again uh, just in January. And so um, I'm kind of seeing like maybe I'll just open it every three months and let in just a little little handful of people because I'm finding that it needs to still be an inner circle, not a big mass of people because people I want people to know each other <laughs> and and meet up and get to know each other and be willing to share because I find that in the bigger Facebook groups, they don't, a lot of people, and including myself, we don't get a chance to talk or we don't get a chance to be known. And I want everyone to be known and be able to grow together. So what's the most like common question that comes up in that group? And like, what's like your typical answer to it? I'm just curious. I'm, I'm sure people that hit you up on social media, they probably you probably get the same question a lot. I'm curious on what's the most common question you get and how you answer it. Um, within the group, it's going to be different all the time because we are, we're, it's like running a race with someone. So we're all, all kind of in the same spot. Uh, the questions I get a lot, I get a lot of, can you look at my portfolio and tell me if it's good? And I, and to my, my response is, well, for one, what feedback are you looking for? Are you looking for design feedback? Is in is my design good? Or are you looking for, is it good? Is this what I should put for attracting an ideal client? Is this what I should put in my portfolio to attract an art director? It's like, well, I need to know your goal. And that's so the common question I get is, can you look at my portfolio? Yeah, but I need to know a goal. And I think a lot of times they don't know their goal. Of, well, I just want to know if it's good. <laughs> you should just thumbs up emoji. <laughs> awesome you did Good great job. <laughs> yeah that's awesome so my brain just farted guys what is going on my cold is really kicking my ass what is happening 
Um, the inner so we talked about the weekly newsletter, the inner circle, and I. By the way, I absolutely love your weekly newsletter. It pops up in my inbox every every. It's every Monday, right? Friday. But you, by the time you You're get you like Brandon, it. you don't have my newsletter. Stop lying. Oh, <laughs> how do how would I how would I subscribe to that? I'm not on the. I'm not. I didn't join this party yet. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. Uh, like it's close. Like a VI, it's a VIP access only, right? Yeah, That's if you, you find it, out. you can join. Now, if you go to the link in my Instagram, um, you can get to it through there. Ryan, it's on her website. Come on, man. Yeah, but you have to dig for it. it. I was doing it for the pot. I was. It was like some organic marketing. Like it's called. Like you know, I was just trying to hook it up. <laughs> organic marketing, guys. Everybody, go to Melinda Livesey's website right now. Marks and Maker. All right, awesome. So, are you? How excited are you about moving? Because I I just watched your recent uh, future episode, and you were just like, you know what? It's time for a transition. Is this going to be? your full transition over into education and courses or are you going to do basically be a double agent and be a business owner in regards to still doing client services and doing informational and course and uh, mentorship as the last question as where melinda is going to be in 2019 2020 well i'm gonna have one foot in one foot out but of of both businesses. You could be doing the splits by 2020. But it's going to be a lot less of the client services and it's going to be hopefully solely brand strategy, not design. So I'm hoping to move away from the design so that I can focus my attention on the info products. And then I have other other products in the works too, but I haven't been uh, sharing that yet. I love Absolutely. that. Everyone needs a, a few secret projects just so you can say it. Even if you don't have any, you should always say like, and there's another like three or four things that I'm working at, but I can't talk about it yet. Exactly. <laughs> all right, Melinda, thank you so much. This is beautiful. Like I've written down all like the biggest learnings and we're definitely going to recap all of this in just a moment. But, you know, before we close out, what is your... Oh, we always got to do this because we're going to get killed if we don't. I know you've already given a one book recommendation in regards to negotiation, but we got three things for you. One, what is your number one advice to new designers slash brand strategists? It's got to be the number one, number one tip. Oh, dear. <laughs> to brand, well, okay. To people, to people, to people who are listening, <laughs> Always, <laughs> who are most likely okay, listening. Okay, okay. Always seek the goal, whether that's your goal, it's the client's goal. Always have that at the forefront of your mind. At a meeting, know what the goal is. Always know what the goal, because otherwise you're going to be wasting your time. Yes, goal-oriented people. Guys, so or <laughs> Melinda, outside of your number one advice, what resources do you really look to besides Chris and your mentor's you know, what are some things that people can actually grab um, that are close to them? Some book recommendations that have helped you really close these skill gaps in regards to help you put you in the mind state that you need to be to be where you are today. If you can name three. Um, the book, The E-Myth, was really good. Um, just understanding our mindset as a business owner and going from the order taker and then we're the entrepreneur and the manager. And so understanding that and then understanding processes. So the E-Myth is a classic book. It's very good. I would highly recommend that. Um, another resource that's not necessarily a book um, is 
I look up to another mentor, Bonnie Sang, um, for personal branding and lifestyle branding too. And so she has a lot of courses and she has Facebook groups too, um, but how to present yourself in a way that attracts your ideal client. So I really look up to her and how she does that. And then a third resource, um, a book I just finished, which is 18 Minutes. And it's about being focused on your goal and what your vision is and then what your focus is for the year. And you say no to everything else that does not align with your focus. Beautiful. I th- that's going to be on my uh, my next <laughs> list of purchases because I've, I've read the email. That's a beautiful book. And 18 Minutes. That's next on my list. Yeah, those are good ones. Haven't haven't read those yet either. But I also love uh, any podcast you listen to. I think I'm a I'm a. That's kind of more my jam right now. You know, no. I the actually, future. I There's haven't. a cool one called The Future. Have you checked that one out? <laughs> oh, I have. I have. <laughs> but I don't. Um, yeah, I haven't listened to. Po- I go through phases. I haven't listened to podcasts in a really long time. But you're going to yeah. listen to Design Huddle, right? Of course. Yeah. Besides the Design Huddle, <laughs> love the that. number one. That's the correct answer. We, yes. we got there. We got there. You but Melinda, thank the you so much link. for the time. This was incredible. Um, I'll let Brendan do the the final sign-off, but I just wanted to say, say another huge thank you. You've been great. I think you're such a huge, um, a great representation of the design community, and I hope that, you know, uh, we continue to work on, you know, projects and connect hopefully in person eventually. <laughs> yes, that would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So guys, just to summarize, Melinda, thank you so much. We have learned so much in regards to really what you focused on and really learning to be where you are today. We've learned that the skill gap for you really early on was the sales, understanding how to lead the communication piece and the business knowledge. Guys, I totally empathize with these particular things these are things and the soft skills are really important as you start climbing the ladder because technical skills those are things that we find that designers come those are skills that you know come really easily to designers especially um, because that's what we're doing on the day-to-day but to get to that next level soft skills such as sales directing communication and business knowledge those are the next things that you want to be able to get to be seen as a higher level thinker in the design space And outside of technical and soft skills, it's really that mental space that allows you to really start filling the gaps in the first place. Saying yes is a big topic we talked about today and the thing that we are all big believers in. You have to believe that you can get to that next level or be better in something to be able to get to that next level. So start saying yes in 2019 or whatever year you guys are listening to this in. It's a big piece for you to be able to put put yourself in a mental state for you to get better. So with that said, guys, Melinda Livesey, if you guys are in the position to check out Prelance or number one, sign up to Melinda's uh, newsletter. She drops a lot of knowledge bombs in regards to a process and really how to get to the next step in your career as a brand strategist or really if you're starting right out of college and trying to be where she's been in regards to building her uh, brand and her business marks and maker. So with that said, Melinda, thank you very much. We appreciate your time and guys next time thank you guys for tuning in design huddle and until next time guys keep leveling up and we'll see you next time peace design huddle is a podcast that is hosted by ryan warner and brendan gross the opinions stated here are our own and not those of our company thank you for tuning in and please feel free to share this episode